Few teams in baseball history have been as successful as the St. Louis Cardinals. But do you know what? Some success eluded them in some cruel ways. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a baseball podcaster for over a decade, and in just a couple of days, we will be in 2024, which will be my sixth year as a host here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Where has the time gone? Some ways, 2019 seems like it was just yesterday, and sometimes it feels like it was about 48 years ago. Hey, follow us on Twitter or whatever it's called now, and on Instagram at Lockdown MLB Pods. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And if you're going to be posting things on any of those sites, Make sure to use the hashtag, where is it? Everyday Sully. I want to know who's listening to us, especially in the off season. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. I got to just say a couple things here. I love doing these podcasts in the offseason. I have I can have a little bit of fun with them. Uh, there's not everything is about reacting to the games that are being played. And this little stretch, which, by the way, this is my favorite stretch of the year, that period between Christmas and New Year's Day where you can just relax and do your thing and everything like that. This is my absolute favorite time of the year. It's fun to talk baseball now. It's absolutely fun to talk baseball now. It's fun to think baseball now. And I like coming up with some of these shows that we're doing. I'm, uh, we're doing a, a podcast coming up where I talk about some of my favorite TV and movie cameos by baseball players. We have some what ifs. Today is a big what if uh, episode. And we have the final day of the year, which is going to be coming up on Sunday, the 31st. We are going to have a visit from our friend Bryce Patrick uh, from Lockdown Rangers. And that's going to actually be the start of a new tradition that we have here, as long as Lockdown Podcast Network will have me, that the final podcast of the calendar year will always be, uh, the guest will always be whoever the Lockdown host was for the team that won the World Series. Because last year, we had H-Town Wheelhouse from uh, Lockdown Astros, and remember, the Astros won the 2022 World Series. This year, we're bringing in Bryce from Lockdown Rangers. Uh, and just uh, uh, at one point last week, we had uh, JD from Lockdown Cardinals. And it's funny, we we, did, we, had a, we had a nice, fun conversation. And then as what happens a lot of times, after I hit stop recording, we continue talking for a while. And do you know what? I should have just hit record again because 
well, we, we just had a really fun conversation and sort of started talking about some of the what-ifs in Cardinal history. Now, when you think about some of the franchises out there in baseball land, uh, very few teams have been as successful as the Cardinals over the generations. And it's really, it doesn't seem fair to try to think about, oh, if this happened, that happened, they could have won more. But they could have. Now, the Cardinals' history, they, they never appeared in a World Series. The World Series, of course, began in 1903. They made their first appearance in the World Series in 1926. And it was one of the great dramatic World Series in the history of baseball where the Cardinals defeated the Yankees in seven games. And very famously, Grover Cleveland Alexander, who was acquired in midseason, was kind of a washed-up has-been, was acquired in midseason from the Cubs, and he threw a complete game victory in game six. Uh, Grover Cleveland Alexander, if you don't know, in the 1910s was one of the greatest pitchers in baseball history. But he had a lot of issues with alcoholism and he was basically shell-shocked from his experience in World War One. He threw a complete game victory in game six, got drunk that night and was hung over and was called out of the bullpen in game seven. And he wound up pitching the last two and a third, two and thirds innings uh, to earn the save and clinch the Cardinals first ever championship. Uh, since that championship in 1926, the Cardinals have become really second only to the Yankees in their success. They've gone to the World Series 23 times, or they've won 23 pennants. Now, they haven't gone to the World Series, each one of those, because some of those pennants uh, were pre-World Series pennants. But they made appearances in the World Series in the 20s, winning it in 26. They made appearances in the World Series in the 30s, in the 40s, and the 60s in the 80s, in the 2000s, and the 2010s. Throughout history, they have been just a, a, one of our biggest successful teams. And they've also been able to transition from when one star leaves, another one emerges. Rogers Hornsby was their first huge star, who was the player manager of that 2016. He was then traded almost immediately, and it was a very controversial trade, but the player they got back from the Giants was Frankie Frisch, who became the centerpiece of the Gas House Gang Cardinals of the late 20s through the mid-30s, which were one of the great teams, and he was the one who led them. By the time the Gas House Gang started, you know, fizzled away, and Dizzy Dean, who was their big pitching star, fizzled away, emerged Stan Musial, who was one of the great offensive players in the history of baseball. He led them to a bunch of championships. Stan Musial retired. What's going to happen the very next year they win the World Series because of the emergence of Lou Brock, who they acquired from the Cubs, another one they acquired from the Cubs, and Bob Gibson. And and just goes through, whether it's Ozzie Smith, you know, Mark McGuire didn't win a championship with him, but helped lead him back to the playoffs. And then when he starts to fade away, up comes Pujols. Pujols goes away. They still go to the World Series. It's just they, they've had a wonderful ebb and flow throughout their entire history. And they've for a lot of the times they were able to make the right trades at the right time and get rid of people at the right time. Now the last 10 years, they have not appeared in a world series. They've gone to the postseason many times, but even though they've acquired superstars like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, they've not been able to get over the hump. In fact, since winning the 2013 
pennant, they've only won one NLCS game. They the walk off home run by uh, Colton Wong in Game Two of the 2014 National Championship Series was their last NLCS game they won. They were they lost the division series in 2015. Didn't make the playoffs in 2016. Uh, they eventually got back to the NLCS in 2019, but they got swept. And they have really been stumbling and bumbling ever since. And last year, they were terrible. But a couple of things in their history. One was a self-inflicted wound that denied them the chance to take the dynasty of the 60s through the 70s. And then unbelievably bad luck with injuries and bad calls kept a very good Cardinal run from being the closest thing the 1980s had to a dynasty. But first, we're talking about the self-inflicted wound of the 70s. Hey, a uh, quick note here that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This is the ideal time to score with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bits with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, overrunners, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. LockedOn has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. LockedOn Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts on LockedOn, plus our new national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. The St. Louis Cardinals won the pennant in 1968 after winning the World Series in 1964 and 1967. But they went the entire 1970s without appearing even in the National League Championship Series. They never finished first place. There were talented teams they had in the 70s, and there were some years where the National League East was not exactly the hardest division to win. However, they seemed to come up short. They had talented players. Ted Simmons, future Hall of Famer, catcher was on that team. Reggie Smith, who they acquired from the Red Sox, was a tremendous all-round hitter. And Hall of Famer Lou Brock was still putting up huge MVP caliber numbers. Joe Torre was the MVP of the National League in 1972. And at some points, the team had solid bats and some good pitching. Bob Gibson continued to be a decent pitcher. By today's standards, Bob Gibson looked like an absolute unbeatable ace. However, a couple of things were happening in baseball which led to, well, the Cardinals acting out of spite. And if you learn nothing from this podcast, learn that spite is not a good way to live your life in terms of making decisions. Kurt Flood. If you don't know who Kurt Flood is, 
please learn who Kurt Flood is. Kurt Flood was a very good outfielder, one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball at the time. He also was the first player to really stand up and say, why can't I decide what team I can play for? He was traded from the Cardinals to the Philadelphia Phillies after being in the major leagues over 11 years. There was no free agency back then. And he said, no, I'm not going to report. That's not the team I want to play for. Why can't I pick the team I want to play for? How come anyone else can pick where they want to work, but I can't? And he wound up sitting out a season while working a legal batter, battle to say, I want to play for the team I want to play for. He didn't win his legal battles, but it was the first uh, movement of the needle towards free agency. And the Bush family, who owned the Cardinals, was furious, absolutely furious, that the players were starting to, oh, I don't know, think for themselves and defend themselves. Two players who were pretty vocal about things beyond Kurt Flood were a pair of left-handed pitchers. One of them was named Jerry Royce. And Jerry Royce became very vocal about things that he felt didn't seem right. And these are things that today, when you're seeing deferring $68 million and everything like that, at the time, players were the best players were making about $100,000. And most of the players had to have a job in the offseason to make ends meet. Now, they were earning a good living, but these weren't millionaires. These weren't people who were becoming uber rich playing baseball. And things like meal money, things like pension plans were really important to them. And for the first time, players started saying, hey, what's going on here? And Jerry Royce became a very vocal critic of the baseball establishment. And as the Players Association, the union, was starting to grow and become more powerful, Jerry Royce was one of the ones who was a squeaky wheel. And the Cardinals, who already had to deal with the whole Kurt Flood nonsense, did not seem happy about that. And they wound up trading Jerry Royce for pennies on the dollar to the Houston Astros for a pair of players who basically made no impact on the team. Now, if you don't know who Jerry Royce is, Jerry Royce went on to have a wonderful career. He pitched throughout the 1970s and into the 1980s. He was a 200-inning pitcher for many of those years and became a star all-star pitcher several times over with the Pittsburgh Pirates and with the Los Angeles Dodgers, helping the Pirates and the Dodgers get to the postseason. Royce was a big star on the Dodger team that won the 1981 World Series consistently giving either the Pirates or the Dodgers 200-some-odd innings every year, winning 18 games and throwing six complete game shutouts himself in the 1980 season. And continued well into the 1980s. And in some of those years, when the Pirates won, the Cardinals were right on their heels. In 19... Uh, in uh, 1974, an 86-win Cardinal team finished only a game and a half behind the Pittsburgh Pirates, a year where Jerry Royce threw 260 innings and won 16 games. Another pitcher, another left-handed pitcher, also started having his opinions heard. And again, the Cardinals 
were not happy with him. He was a player who was already an all-star and was a part of the World Series winning team of 1967. But this pitcher was starting to be a pain in the butt. And so the Cardinals traded him away to Philadelphia. Unlike Kurt Flood, Steve Carlton reported to Philadelphia and immediately became the best pitcher in the National League. His first year in Philadelphia, he won the Cy Young Award. He threw 346 in the third innings. 346. He threw 30 complete games. He won 27 games for a team that lost 100. And eventually, he became the premier pitcher in the National League, winning the Cy Young Award four times. While being in the same division as the Cardinals, the Philadelphia Phillies did something that they had never done in their history. They won the World Series. Who was the ace of that team? Why, that was Steve Carlton, who threw 304 innings that year, led the league in wins, had an ERA of 2.34, and struck out a league-leading 286 batters. If you go to his his baseballreference.com page, there's a lot of black and black italicized stats throughout the 70s involving Steve Carlton. Do you know why? He was the best. And also one other thing. Another pitcher wound up hurting his hand and had bad control and the in the early 1970s. And the Cardinals basically gave up on him and dumped him to the Montreal Expos. His name was Mike Torres. And while most people who are baseball fans remember Mike Torres as serving up Bucky Dent's home run, he was a very successful pitcher throughout the 70s. Again, 200 innings almost every year. 20 game winners, you know, rallying up of, you know, big win totals and big complete game totals. He threw two complete game victories in the 1977 World Series for the Yankees, and he was the pitcher on the mound when they won. And yes, he served up Bucky Dent's home run, but he also continued to give the Red Sox 200-some-odd innings and a decent ERA throughout his career in Boston. Those three could have been teammates on Cardinal teams that were consistently winning 83-82 wins. And in some of those years, like 1973, where the Mets barely finished above 500, that was enough to win the division, I'm going to think it's safe to say that having Steve Carlton, Jerry Royce, and Mike Torres in your rotation could have meant, oh, I don't know, a division title here or there, maybe a pennant here or there. But they traded, okay, Torres, that's hindsight being 2020. he had a hurt hand, and they dumped him. They couldn't see that he would have found his mojo again while playing for Montreal and turned that into a World Series title with the Yankees. But Royce and Carlton were traded out of spite. Yeah, they got Rick Wise back from Philadelphia. And Rick Wise was an okay pitcher. He had a couple of very good years. But they traded Steve freaking Carlton. Do you think Steve Carlton in his prime could have helped? He would have. You would have had that trio as teammates with Bob Gibson and being there with the emergence of Bob Forsh, who wound up being a fine pitcher as they went on into their successful years in the 80s. They wound up having a great 80s, and we'll get to that in the third section. But they had a chance to continue it and move on and have success in the 70s, a 
decade where the Pirates won almost every year. And yes, the Pirates had some excellent teams, but they also had some mediocre teams, some 80-some-odd win teams that won the East because there was no powerhouse. And the powerhouse eventually became the Phillies, led by Steve Carlton, who frequently went to the postseason against the Dodgers, where he would square off against Jerry Royce, while the Cardinals were on the outside looking in. Cardinals wound up champions in 1982. No team in the 80s won multiple championships except the L.A. Dodgers, who won two very weird titles in 81 and 88. But with a little bit of luck in both the injury front and some calls on the field, the Cardinals could have had a dynasty. Reminding you about Locked On Sports Today. It's the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is there for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day, local experts of Locked On, plus the national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. When people started really advocating for instant replay in baseball. Part of the reason why that advocacy took place was because we started seeing the technology had caught up with the instantaneous reviewing of plays. It wasn't rewinding videotape. It wasn't this blurry image. You could see it instantly, zoomed in, review instantly. And it became insane, especially when we start seeing some horrible calls in the 2009 postseason saying, what are we doing here? If we know it's wrong, if we saw that Galarraga threw a perfect game and the call was blown, why are we acting like that didn't happen? When we see that didn't happen, just correct it. And the event that always comes up is always brought up to the point where I feel badly for the man is the Don Denkinger game. Now, Don Denkinger was an umpire, and the fact that we all know his name is not a good sign. A wonderful World Series game, Game 6 of the 1985 World Series, is forever tainted by the fact that one of the most obvious horrible calls in baseball history took place when George Orta grounded out, Todd Worrell covering at first base, Ball reached his glove, his foot was on the bag, and order was called safe. Even using 1985 technology, they saw that he was definitely out. At the time, it was the bottom of the ninth of game six, and the Cardinals had a one-run lead and were three outs away from winning the World Series. Well, as it turned out, the Cardinals fell apart. And the Royals rallied. And it wasn't all just the blown call by Dankinger. The Cardinals could have knuckled down and get those final three outs. There was a pass ball. There was weird pitches and everything like that. And then the Cardinals got absolutely trounced in game seven, 11-0. That's not the point. A game is the sum total of all the events. 
a leadoff hit is a lot different than a leadoff out. Starting with the tying run at first and the winning run at the plate and nobody out is a lot different than one out, nobody on. And the momentum that builds up from we got a guy, we got our leadoff guy on base is uh, a lot different than, oh man, now we're two outs away. Could they have rallied? Of course the Royals could have rallied. But it's a lot harder when the first when they get the first out, which the Cardinals got. Now what would have happened if he was called out instead of safe? Chances are Warrell clinches that. And there's a bunch of players from that team who would have won their first ever championship. Jack Clark never won a title before. Vince Coleman never won a title before. The great Cesar Cedeno, who was a huge star in the 70s, and never got the publicity he deserved, would have finally won. There was a bunch of other players on that team with the Bill Campbells of the world, uh, the Andy Van Slykes of the world, some were veterans, some were young players, would have earned their first ever titles. Joaquin Andohar, and he would have had several players who were part of the 82 team, including manager Whitey Herzog, Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee, Joaquin Andujar, Tom Herr, it would have built the concept of this was a budding dynasty. And chances are the Royals lose that game, and it wasn't long after that those great Royals teams start to disintegrate. And the emergence of the A's pushed the Royals into the back burner, despite players like Bo Jackson and Mark Gubas on that team. And so you would have had these wonderful Royals teams the Dennis Leonard's, the George Bretts, the Willie Wilson's, the Frank White's of the world, the Dan Quisenberry's of the world, and seeing them never win a championship. They would have been kind of like the Cleveland Indians of the 1990s. So great, so close, but never winning it. It would have been a great frustrating title to bestow on a George Brett who won his only title that year. You would have thrown him in the with the likes of the Tony Gwynn's of the Robin Younts and the Carl Yastrzemski's and the Jim Rice's Hall of Famers associated with one team, but never won at all. But that's would have all that could have been changed with that one play being called. Now, two years later, the Cardinals were in the World Series. And once again, in a critical game, Calls went against the Cardinals. Now, to be fair, the umpiring in Game 7 of the 1987 World Series was so horrible that calls went against both teams, the Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals. There was a play at the plate where Don Baylor was called out being uh, tagged by uh, catcher Steve Lake when the ba your naked eye said, oh, it looks safe to me, and replay showed, oh my God, he was beyond safe. But a couple of calls went against the Cardinals as well. A key moment in the uh, fifth inning, the Cardinals had the lead. The Cardinals had the lead in game seven of the World Series. In the fifth inning, Twins shortstop Greg Gagne hit a ground ball to first. Cardinals pitcher Joe McGrain awkwardly ran over to first, and Gagne was called safe, but the replay showed, once again, McGrain's foot, while it was a little wobbly, 
His foot was on the base with the ball in his glove before Gagne reached. Again, not nearly as dramatic as a blown call in the ninth inning, but guess what? That was the rally that scored the tying run in Game 7 of the World Series. And the next inning, with the Cardinals up and the game tied, when a runner should not have been called safe came around to score, Tommy Herr got a, a one-out single, uh, and uh, Jim Lindemann, Willie McGee, and Tony Pena were coming off, and Tom Herr got picked off, and after a rundown, was thrown out at first. The potential go-ahead run of Game 7 of the World Series with a bunch of hot hitters are coming up, the runner was called out. The replay showed that Frank Viola balked, Kent Herbeck should have been called for interference, and Tom Herr got back safely. And Al Michael said, outside of that, no problem. There were three things that went wrong in the same play, all of which should have awarded Tom Herr second base as the go-ahead run of Game 7 of the World Series. Games are the sum total of events added up. The, goal, the tying run scored the previous inning on a blown call. The potential go-ahead run being taken off the base paths in a blown call, both against the Cardinals. Now, if they had rallied and won that game, this would have, even, even if they had had the Denkinger loss two years before, that would have wiped away the bad feelings of the Denkinger loss because so many players from the 85 team were back in 87. The Terry Pendletons, uh, you know, her, Clark was on the team. He was injured. I'll get to that in a second. A lot of the, the, the pitchers, the Danny Coxes of the world, the Todd Worrells of the world, it would have been the cleansing. Put it behind us. They wound up winning. And you would have had the multiple championships, and the Cardinals would have claimed the 80s as the dynasty. Two other factors happened in 85 and 87. Vince Coleman's legs got crushed by a tarp machine. The rookie of the year was taken out of the playoffs from a freak tarp machine accident that broke his freaking legs in a razor-thin World Series that the Cardinals had with Kansas City. It's safe to say that maybe having Vince Coleman inserted into the lineup would have helped. Now, to be fair... Cesar Cedeno wound up starting in Vince Coleman's place and was very effective in the World Series. That being said, that's just weird. And then two years later, you have to understand the Cardinals' entire team was built around the fact that they were an astroturf team that ran and stole bases. And they had in the middle of it a big slugger. Their big slugger was Jack Clark, who homered the Cardinals into the World Series in 1985. The entire team was, you had your Ozzie Smiths, your Willie McGee's, uh, you had your Tommy Hurst, you had all these guys who were kind of jackrabbits running around, and in the middle of it, you had this big slugger who was Jack Clark. And Clark, who had an MVP caliber season in 1987, got hurt just before the playoffs. He had one at-bat the entire postseason. He had made a pinch hit appearance in the NLCS and was too hurt to play. And the Cardinals are looked upon as being a wonderful team of the 80s, but it could have been a dynasty. Spite cost them the 70s, 
horrific luck cost the dynasty of the 80s. As it is, Cardinals have won a lot. They have a lot of championships. But it could have even been a little sweeter. Ah, what if? So, enjoy your time. This period of time between Ricky Henderson's birthday and the end of the year. And I'm going to be coming up with all new stuff to do here on the podcast. So follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Thinking about what could have been with an already successful franchise, the St. Louis Cardinals. This has been Locked On MLB for the 29th day of December 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.